This is a restless reaction. Welcome back to the Restless Podcast, a postmortem on the Restless episode you heard earlier this week. Michael and I are back uh, today to actually discuss the episode of the podcast that just released. Michael, are you excited to be back and talking about our own podcast on our own podcast? Yeah, so we've done Restless Reactions, and what we're doing now is really you are reacting to our reaction video of the John Piper clip. And I am just joining in order that I can react to your reaction of our reaction. And and if that was way too complicated, it's just think of like, just accept it like you accepted the movie Inception. You accept it. It all makes um, sense. It all makes really, sense in the end. He gets exactly. to his kids or does he? <laughs> really, really what happened is I was editing the show uh, this week and I just went, man, I have more thoughts from these about what these three gentlemen are saying. Obviously, us, the two of us, and John Piper, and and realize that you know I think that uh, there was a there are just a few more things I wanted to add. We already had to cut it down because we talked for a long time about that content. Um, and so, as I don't think I don't know if we mentioned in the episode, we did a full reaction to his overall sermon. And I'm telling you, if you want to hear it, which I assume you do, uh, help us get to 20 ratings and reviews on iTunes. Right now, I think we're at about 16 or something. So once we get four more, I will release the additional reaction to the rest of the John Piper sermon. I just I just heard a few of the things we kind of talk about in the episode and realized I wanted to uh, yeah, say a few things about it. I kind of had, I realized some things. And so one thing I do want to say is we uh, the criticism that we kind of gave in the episode this is not me wanting to back down from those things or say sorry. As we often say on the Restless Podcast, the Restless Podcast has no regrets. Let me say one thing overall, and then I'll give I'll give some more thoughts about a few of the specific things we talked about. I think I realized as I was editing the show, this all the language Piper is using would have sounded very different in 2014, right? We talk a lot about how the language was weak in the episode, how there isn't there isn't a ton of content there. But but again, to be fair to Piper, right, he's literally reading a list of things about the new Calvinist. This isn't the place to flesh out all of his anthropology about men and women, for one. But two, what he's saying at the time, I think would have struck me as like insightful, like and and kind of revolutionary for me at the time. Yeah, so we would have understood it in a very different light six years ago, seven years ago now. Right. We we were first being exposed to these ideas. Maybe the I don't know, Michael. What do you think? Maybe the problem became that in this the enlisting these twelve things. Piper uses kind of this soaring rhetoric of the robust Christ exalting humble leadership of men and women. You know, that's, and that's one I, I remember us, I, I heard us pick me picking on a little bit again, me, I'm being exposed to complementarianism and going, Oh, wow. But that soaring rhetoric, those kind of bumper sticker things, we actually confuse that for actual content. Like the, what those things actually needed to point to. I think that I think that that's true. Um, 
I think probably there's enough content in there that if you grew up in, you know, kind of vague mainline evangelicalism and uh, you didn't, you know, you grew up in kind of the, the, uh, you know, post-industrial egalitarian neoliberal order that we've been a part of, all of this would have sounded shocking. And it did. I think you're right. I think, I think at this time, these things were like, no way. Somebody saying something like this, right. that there's differences between men and women, that, you know, there's all these other aspects to uh, the faith that are deeper than I was ever taught. So I, I think that there's truth there that, that uh, at the time, this would have sounded as though there was much more content. And I would, I would probably argue there, there actually was more content to this than probably we let on now when we hear it. And part of that is just because of where it has brought us. Right, right. We've seen, and as we've said, we're going to have to do an episode about this in the future, the unraveling of the complementarian. What I don't know. I don't want to use the word compromise because that makes it sound like they were compromised, right? The complementarian kind of compact they had, right? This, that this, this pushing this forward. And we've, and we've just seen that unravel and all of these words be redefined and loaded with new meaning that wouldn't have been there in 2014. And that was just one thing I realized. And, and maybe the other important thing to notice is if you're an older listener, um, if you're older than Michael and I, I would guess that you maybe were confused about why we would said, especially in the regards to men and women, but maybe other things, this does not have meaning. This is contentless. I, 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 to our older listeners who I who I have a special love for, because some of them are probably my parents, our generation, we cannot take these things for granted. The the um generational cultural understandings, biblical understandings of men and women, or any of these topics, you just of church, you just slot it in there. We've lost. Right? New Calvinism was one step in reclaiming those things. We can't take that for granted, though, and that's why these kinds of statements weren't enough. You know, I think the other thing um, that that I would say I I kind of realized as I was listening to it is I think there is um, an, a way that you could criticize Michael and I uh, coming at it, and would be like, you know, we've got these two young guys coming in. Um, you know, looking to uh, looking to make a name for themselves, and they decide to pick a bone with a smart, godly older person. Right? They are punching up their class, and they don't really have any business doing this at all. And what I realized is, you could make that criticism of us, but I actually think I'm actually fighting that impulse. And what I mean is that the and Michael just gave me a look like, what? That's exactly what we were doing. What, whether it was right or wrong is different. But I think we were actually fighting that impulse because I think the new Calvinists are the ones who kind of maybe encouraged that. And what I mean is that the movement in general encouraged us to look to new leaders, look to new ideas and not really dig hard into and look to older reformed fathers and reformed confessions and, and actually look back, but look to what was happening in the now, right? 
And and obviously John Piper is older than me. Obviously he's godlier than me. But 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 just holding to what he was doing is disregarding much wiser, much older, much more well attested theologians, and actually more importantly, churchly theology. Yeah, and I don't think uh, Piper was meaning to necessarily do this, but we talked in the episode about how there is a sense in which, you know, he comes in and, and he speaks to these, you know, old Calvinists, uh, and he does speak highly of them. He says he's thankful for them, but there is a sense in which he says, you know, but look, we've got it from here. We understand what we're doing kind of, you know, like uh, a little bit of, you know, you need to understand where we're at. Uh, and so uh, if there if there was a thought that, hey, you know, it's not okay to criticize those who are, who have gone before you, who are uh, older, wiser, godlier, it's not okay to question some of the things that they say. Well, I mean, that this is exactly what we were reacting to somebody doing just that. Right. And, and obviously we're not speaking specifically of Piper because I think he would be in the category of most um, honoring and having gathered from the older, broader reform tradition, yes, even though, absolutely. even though he was very willing to abandon it on certain things like continuing revelation today. Right. What I'm saying is that actually what Michael and I are saying is that, Hey, I think, I think this whole thing is the new guy, the young guy, right? That that's what we're saying. And so uh, we're, we're, we're looking, we're going a step further back. And, and I think that brings me to my other, the big thing I kind of realized as I listened to us discuss um, Piper and I listened to kind of some of the things he had to say, the, the dividing line seems to continue to be confessionalism. The, the new and the old are divided by adherence and uh, to confessionalism. And that's not to say there weren't uh, new Calvinists that weren't confessional. Um, as, as, as you'll hear in, a, in an upcoming episode, there are uh, Reformed Baptists with a Reformed Confession. There are, um, you know, PCA pastors, obviously, with the Westminster Confession. But what held the new Calvinists together and what they were rallying around were not confessional statements. And that is what that is. That be, that is, is going to probably come up again and again with us here, that that was a big difference. Um, so, so pastor Michael, should we, uh, should we close by trying to do a redux on gospel centered preaching, teaching and writing? Should we talk about that? I don't know if I should talk about it anymore. <laughs> like I maybe I, maybe I, actually, I just shouldn't ever uh, talk about those things. You've already I, gotten me to, uh, you know, smear my own name by attacking <laughs> gospel centrality. I, I have a, I have another, I have a, I have a great clip in our archive uh, to be released someday of of pastor Michael on, on preaching that's related to this, but, but maybe the, the redux is maybe I should just kind of, I should join, I should, I should kind of come into the fray just a little bit here. Um, you know, I think I, I agree. I agree with what pastor Michael said. So if, which 
I, I don't know, is again, uh, a dear gospel center preachers, Brian Chapel, uh, everyone else in the world. We'd love uh, to have you on the show. Love to have you on the show and, and uh, have a further discussion of this. But, but, and again, like it's, there is a, uh, we'll say a cheap and a, and a, and a much better version of this, right? Now, what, I, what, and, and that is, and then clearly, uh, when you, when you heard in the episode, Pastor Michael is, is very clear about the kind of the cheap version of this he is, he is saying is a problem. But what I realized is, man, and, and I think in our episode where we react, uh, to all of, of Piper's sermon, I discuss my thoughts there. So I won't say too much, but I realized that. What this does is it just flattens all of the scripture, right? It makes this deep, rich, expansive revelation. When we teach it, we basically say it's got to say one thing. It's all got to say uh, one thing, right? It's it's basically got to every text has to basically say justification by faith alone. And how much of that is actually because, you know, a lot of this, the idea of, you know, the gospel centered movement, if you want to call it that, obviously we'd say, well, that is just the church always. Right. But, right. but as we know it, as this kind of publishing phenomenon and this kind of blogging phenomenon, uh, this came out of new Calvinism. And we've talked about how new Calvinism really was this, you know, kind of uh, alliance within conservative evangelicalism around soteriology around justification. And so uh, in that sense, if, if that's what the center is, if that's all the center is, I should say, because uh, obviously this is, this is central, but if that is all the center is, is justification by faith. And you then see every single thing that scripture says anywhere, only having to do with justification by faith, that absolutely does flatten it. It like, if, if that is, all that God meant to say, uh, he, he could have said that. And he did say that, but he said a whole lot more too. Uh, right. th- there's a whole lot more to it and so much more uh, that, that there is to be known, even about Christ, even about justification, even about you know, union Absolutely. with Christ and, this... and, and everything that Christ came to do. Absolutely. And this is, this is one of the things where, you know, where I thought about like, man, what are you, what are you guys going to be saying? Like, well, Again, go to uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith. Let's just start with just all the benefits of Christ to believers and all of the ways we can talk about Christ. So justification, sanctification, adoption, glorification. Connect all connect those ideas to me, right? Connect to me to Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. But I realized one. Well, I think again, as 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 we're here sitting in the ashes of the new Calvinism, the center didn't hold, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But the center did not hold, um, because you, there's there's more that's needed. But what I think thought I realized is maybe even and and this is a thing I'm interested to hear from you, Pastor Michael. Is I've I've two thoughts about this. One about kind of a, just an inherent problem. And then I think one of how it kind of got applied, right? So one is like why we're out of step with while the church has talked about these things. And the other is our application. So this application I realized is, so the gospel centered thing was this general 
principle. We slap, we need to have a gospel centered view of relationships, a gospel centered view of the church, a gospel center, right? Like we get down to like, I mean, people are saying things like gospel centered, gospel issue, animal rights, right? Like we, we, and what we start to do is we make this general view and it starts to, and maybe it's because we don't know, or it just starts overriding the specific teaching of specific texts in the Bible. Our theology is done via this general spiritual idea over specific texts. Yeah, you have basically a new tradition forming, right? A lens through which you're going to view everything. And so everything is filtered through this very uh, limited lens. And, you know, some might argue that, uh, you know, the confessions, something like the Westminster Confession of Faith, this is a tradition and this is a lens through which you view scripture. And I would say you are right, right? Like that is you what it right. is. And uh, that lens itself says, hey, test everything according to scripture. Councils and confessions can err, and you should be testing all of this, uh, always going back to the word of God itself. But here is a starting place. Here's a good way to help you. You know, it's, it's something that does uh, help you view scripture right. But again, the, the difference between the whole of the Westminster Confession of Faith with all of the different chapters on all these different issues, all these different aspects of what Christ has done and, and who he is and who God is and, and you know what it is that God requires of man and, and all of these different things. Like this is a very uh, wide lens, right? But when you limit that down to justification by faith, it's not that justification by faith alone is wrong. It's that it's not the only thing. It's that it's not all there is. And how many stories have you heard of guys who did like burn out of the new Calvinism and they ended up rejecting things like justification by faith alone. And probably because that's all there was. Right. And, and right. it's like, God did not just reveal that. And all of a sudden that all, that whole system falls apart. If it's all built around that one doctrine. It's, it's maybe the most important, I, you know, I don't want, I don't have a desire to fight over the level of it's important. It's just not the only thing. Yes. Right. And, and this is this, the second problem, whether or not my applic my understanding of this kind of vague application, this becomes this like ethic for everything, no matter what the, the, the second problem is exactly what pastor Michael just said. The church has never, has never defined itself this way or defined the way to do discipleship as look at this one idea from every angle possible go, you know, this is, this is, again, we talked about, this is kind of food for non new believers, which is great, but, but this isn't even how the, the church has fed new believers. Guess what? The reformers, you know what they said to feed people, the law and the gospel. Well, whoops, we already are. We already have two things. And they would say, don't do the gospel without the law right now. Of course, what we are doing is we're doing the well, you just because we're all reacting to the churches we think we grew up in, and maybe we did, maybe we, some of us didn't, where it was just law, get a better marriage, be a nicer person, whatever. But the 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 law and the gospel, the early the early church, how did they disciple someone? What did they say you had to know? They said what you need to know is, you know, there are different ways to describe it: faith, hope, and love. Uh, and there was three things, right? What is the faith? It is the creed. It is the 
confession of what who God is and what he has done in history, right? This is the the gospel. Um, right? If we would say hope, right? Um, they would say that that was what they described as the prayer, right? The Lord's prayer, knowing what Christian piety was, what it was like, what what it meant to pray to God and what we prayed for. And then final love, love of God and neighbor, summarized in the Ten Commandments. And I'm sure someone could send me an article about how this is what gospel, being gospel-centered means is doing these three things. But but at some point, if that's the case, it just loses it, whatever. If it can mean whatever I want it to mean, it's just, no, you're, Matt, Michael, you're describing what gospel-centered writing and teaching is about. At some, again, we need to probably do an episode where we work through the definitions that were given of these things. But on the ground, describing the ministry of the word focused on law and gospel or even all that is taught in the confession or the, the creed, the prayer, and the, and the commandments, right? Or, or as, the, um, as people often summarize, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, right? Guilt, grace, gratitude, right? All of that goes beyond this, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it doesn't mean go beyond in the sense that, you know, uh, well, justification by faith is, is not that important or something like no. that. No, this is central. This is so important. And actually I want to, you know, I want to say a little bit uh, maybe in defense of what we've been just haranguing for now Great. a second. Episode. This is why we're doing the redux. We're like, right. we're giving we you your it. second pass, but you know, like you do think of the movement from so many growing up in mainline evangelicalism, just hearing, you know, here's five ways to reconnect with your spouse or here, whatever it might be, right? These, yes. these topical messages. And they were, they were all centered around you as an individual, right? And right. that ultimately becomes a burden that is put upon you that is just not bearable, right? The, the scripture is not actually about you in that way. It's not that... It, it, you're not included, but like, that's not the main focus. And so I do think that the move to gospel centered preaching, uh, to, you know, gospel centered, everything in a sense was a move in the right direction, right? Absolutely. Like it, it was refocusing things on Christ. So no longer is the story of David and Goliath, which I'm, you know, I'm going to, that's our old Testament scripture reading actually for this coming Sunday is David and Goliath. It's first Samuel 17. Uh, no longer is that about how you need to be a better David and you need to stand up tall against the things you that are five like, stones of yep, that's faith right. friends and prayer. Yeah, and, and you're whatever. like, you know, your psychological struggle is what you're fighting. That's your Goliath. Right. And, you know, it's, it's no longer about that. No, you know, this is Matt Chandler's right. You're not David. We're, right? we're going to review that clip by the way. Yes, yeah, so we have to, but like, yeah. you know, this is about Christ. And absolutely, I like I'm I'm all for that. But also, when Christ looks back on the life of David, he has no problem drawing connection to how the Pharisees should have understood the law. He has no problem drawing connection between that and and how people were supposed to live. And if all things are summed up in Christ, if we are united to Christ, uh, then this does there is more to it than simply Christ came and defeated sin. There is more to it than that. It's not that that's not there. It's that there's more than that. And so I think what we're trying to say is not that that it is wrong, that the scripture is Christ-centered, that preaching should be gospel-centered and Christ-centered. 
absolutely it should. I think what we're saying is that Christ is so much bigger, so much greater, so much more glorious than was often let on within this movement. And, but, but the reason, as you said, the reason it was captivating and, and, and still is to many people who hear these types of sermons week in, week out is because it's still, because it's Jesus, it's still better. That's right. And it's better than the, the pure moralizing alternative. Yeah. Now, again, we, we need to do it. We, we'll do the David clip someday, and I'll ask you if I'm David at all, but, and, and we'll, we'll save that for then. But, but yeah, I do think, I think, I think you're, you're making the point where here's where it runs aground. Look at how Christ and the apostles use the Old Testament. Christ does say all of this points to me, but they make other points with it. They they apply it to other things. They they use it as a guide. They do they do all kinds of things with it. And and if they do that, why should we just limit ourselves to just one legitimate, needed, and important fundamental application? No doubt. But why do we need to limit everything we do and say to that? Thanks, Michael, for turning the mic on with me and just uh, uh, listening to me kind of rant and rave a little bit about our own episode. Uh, before we to us, reacting to us, reacting. If you have a reaction to uh, what you're hearing here about our episode, we'd love to react to it. We'd love <laughs> to react to it. So, so please drop us a line. Again, we just keep being encouraged by the the, the interaction we're getting, and so. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we hope this second piece was maybe a good addendum on our conversation about Piper. So we'll catch you later.